Welcome to the Consciouspreneur Podcast, where we discuss and apply the principles of mindset, leadership, and business building strategies that align with our purpose, honor the people we work with, and generate a sustainable profit. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Consciouspreneur Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and today I am so pleased to be sharing this space with Jeannie Dottering. Did I say that correct? It's Doherty, but that's fine. It's okay. totally fine. Everyone <laughs> pronounces it differently. <laughs> okay. All right. The important piece is that Jeannie is a determined woman ready to make a positive impact on the world. She is a conscious preneur. Jeannie Daughtery continues to help people from all walks of life. She is a coveted counselor, certified money coach, speaker, facilitator, and trainer. Moreover, she works with businesses, individuals, and couples to help them find better ways to reach their goals. Over the years, her efforts have earned her a reputation among clients who are ever eager to vouch for her holistic services. Jeannie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So as we always do, I, I want to hear your story. Um, we're going to get to your expertise um, in the later part of this, but tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial story uh, and how you got here. Yeah. So uh, it, it feels like, you know, so much time has elapsed and yet it was like, oh, this just happened like like a couple of weeks ago, right? But um, years ago, I lived in Arizona. I lived in Phoenix. That's where I trained uh, for my counseling degree. And at that time, the uh, recession, the Great Recession was definitely happening and the West Coast got hit harder than other parts of the country, for sure. So... Um, I ended up working with a lot of people who had what? Major financial issues. So we're talking like foreclosure. We're talking bankruptcy. We're talking bad divorce. We're talking your child is very sick with a health issue and you've got to figure out how to pay for all kinds of stuff. Um, we're just talking like student loan debt. And then, you know, how do I pay my rent this month? Like, so I dealt with people who had all kinds of uh, major um, financial issues. But by the time I would see them, they were anxious, depressed, not sleeping, not eating, uh, horrible family fights, all kinds of stuff. And so I just continued to do my work, but I was really successful when it came to the financial piece and the communication piece, uh, and particularly in families. And I was uh, helpful. I mean, I, I, figured out as a sort of a budding counselor, if you will, how to, people could sell their home in the midst of a crappy, you know, <laughs> recession. Like I was figuring out all this stuff from like a financial perspective. And I think part of it was just because I was like, oh, this is a problem that can be solved. There will be a way through this. And my job was just basically to help people, you know, here are your options. If you want to find a different one, here's how you find them. And then here's, here's what we're going to do next. And so I did that for a number of years and I moved to the East Coast. I now my office is in Bethesda, Maryland. And, uh, you know, I still had people, you know, it, you know, still the Great Recession, people were still coming out of it, still major issues with, you know, family communication. Uh, people had homes, they had lost value, still divorces, people are on drugs, like all kinds of stuff. And I still worked with them and still was like, people were like, they said to me more than once, I would never would have made this, made it through without you. There's no way I would have been able to figure this out on my own. Like you got me through another black hole in my life or, or whatever the expression was. And I was like, awesome. And I continued to do my work. And then 2018, I'm also a dancer, uh, not professionally trained. Mm, sorry, nothing like that. Um, but I'm a dancer and um, I went to a dance workshop and I found out about money coaching. 
I had no idea that the whole at a dance workshop. I love it. <laughs> and it. Yeah. I was like a holistic, this is like my stress management. Like, let me go dance for a few hours. So I joined like a personal development program for one year. So from 2018 to 2019, we met, you know, as a huge group and like, we really got into people's money stories. Like, you know, people, you know, their parents were prostitutes. Uh, they had lived, they were homeless and had been on drugs. They had um, survived a war. Um, you know, they had, you know, all kinds of things that happened. And then you had people who were like, I'm really well to do and I can't accept it. You know, like I just, it, it's so shameful for me because when I think about what's going on in the world. So we really did. And it was just so profound. So many good shifts. People like really got better with their money, felt better about their money. And it was just, it was really like the thing. And so at the end of 2019, I was like, I'm going to become a money coach. That's going to be my thing, right? And then, you know, the pandemic hit in 2020 and I went, no, not this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> today. Nope, no, nope, no. Nope. We're going to be focusing on other things. And so what I did is uh, 2021, I got my cert finally, but I had been money coaching for a number of years without understanding that was money coaching. So I was trained in a particular, what we call money psychology style, which is fantastic. And then just as I had finished, I like literally, like I had a, a friend who's a coach and she was like, hey, I really think you should try this mental fitness training. I was like, what's this mental fitness thing? You know, and and so uh, it was pretty fantastic, but I learned how to do mental fitness just as a client, like in a, and I, when I went through the program and I was amazed at all the shifts that I had. Like, I didn't realize that during the pandemic, my sense of joy had disappeared. Like I was very focused on like, what's next? How am I going to handle this? You know, working with all kinds of clients, nobody's happy. And, and having to explain like, look, this isn't a happy time in our lives. So this is the dark stuff. So this is when we journal and this is when we take it one day at a time. And so that worked uh, for a period of time. But then I was like, oh, I have an opportunity to train with these people. And I was like, oh, I think I will. You know, it, it just, I was really impressed how quickly in a short amount of time in less than 15 minutes a day, not just me, but everyone I talked to, which were, I had like, I think like a few thousand in my cohort. And like the stories that were coming, you know, you have no idea I'm sleeping, you know, better tonight. I'm eating. I've lost weight. I'm back at the gym. You know, all kinds of things were happening. And so I was sort of like, well, I guess I do two separate things. You know, I'm going to be a money coach and I will do the mental fitness. But uh, the more and more I sat with it, the more I was like, no, I want to integrate this. And so I talked to uh, the founder, uh, Shirzad Kameen, or I think he calls himself Shameen. Sorry, I always think Kameen, but it's C-H, Shameen. And um, he you know, he was like, you guys need to go and, and make this your own. However you want to do it, go do it. And so I integrated the uh, money coaching uh, with the mental fitness. And I created my very own 10-week program. But before I did that, I had to give a presentation to all of my fellow coaches and explain how to harness your money sage power. Because that's something that we talk not about money, stage power, but having stage power. Like, how can you, you know, make something that's really bad a gift? So I did that and I received like thousands of like, oh my God, I never thought of it this way. I have whole time, I'll have a ton of money issues myself. Um, and I, I just, there's no way I would have fought my way through this. This is going to help me change what I'm doing in my business. And this is amazing. And, um, I was profoundly thanked. And, Here's the interesting thing. The founder, the the very famous neuroscientist from Stanford, had big time money issues himself. When he first started as a coach, he only charged $50 for an hour and he felt terrible about it. He thought he was like robbing people. 
And so he wasn't the ideal character to, to do money coaching, if you will, because it takes a special skill set to want to sit down and talk to people about what's going on with the psychology of their money and how it impacts their behaviors. But also, you know, like, what are you trying to do with your money? Like your money will do nothing if you tell it to do nothing. That's exactly what do. But if you want it to do something, so if you want to grow it or you want to invest it or you want to pay off a debt or you want to buy a house in a, in a you know, highly competitive market or you need to sell a house in a very slow market, how are you going to do that? You got to tell your money what to do. Uh, like, how do you buy a car? I just had a conversation uh, earlier this week. Woman, very bright, very, like she has a PhD, man. Uh-huh. She's a doctor. She's a doctor. <laughs> and uh, she's, you know, she knows how to handle her money. She's been doing it her whole life, right? She's good. And she hates buying a car. She had one bad car buying experience as a woman. And she literally was like, kind of like trying to hand it off to, what man in my that I know in my life will be able to help me buy a car? Because I just I'm overwhelmed with this, and I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and that's that's the psychology that we put ourselves in of like, I don't want to move; it's going to be too hard. I don't want to get another job; it's gonna it's gonna be too hard on me. I can't do this, and and yet we need to make more money for whatever the reason. Um, and or I need to ask for a raise; I don't know how to do that. And there's a million millions of stuff, you know, on the internet articles, you know, there's tons of knowledge, but it doesn't matter how, how pretty much on Google we can get just about, I would say probably 80 to 90% of all of our answers, or at least know where we could go get better information offline. It's how we understand the information. It's how we digest it. That's what matters. The minute it becomes our information, like I, um, this, I can buy into this, then it becomes knowledge is power. Otherwise it's just data that we don't, we don't take seriously. Yeah, exactly. We let it go by. It's not for us. Or, you know, one of the things that you said early on in this story is that you saw a solution. No matter what problem about money your clients brought to you, you knew there was going to be a solution to it. And as you were describing that, what popped into my mind is that those clients were in that position because they didn't believe there was a solution. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's that's part of the genius of being trained as a counselor. Our job is to hold the light, if you will, for the client and to see where they can go instead of like, I don't, uh, I don't know. And in fairness to everybody who's had a money issue, you weren't trained properly by your family or in school. You never really learned it. So it's not unusual to have a money oopsie. It's not unusual that you will have at least one good money crisis in your life that you're going to have to learn, which is usually, for most people, it's divorce. That's usually what it is. Sometimes it's a job change or you're out of work. Um, occasionally, it's a health issue you know, that's severe that you can't work or you can't work the way you used to. So it's things like that that really impact us as adults that we you know, were either taught by absolute fear, when you get older, something's right. going to happen to you. That's right. Not a scarcity you. thing, right? Woo. And you're going to have to hang on. You better hope you have everything in your your savings account. Right. <laughs> people don't live like that. And that's not, and honestly, for some people, that's not the way to live. They, they've got way too many expenses. They don't want to live that way. So why would you try to force them into a role that they don't want to be in anyway? Right, right. I, I'm curious, without getting too personal here, but what are some of the money shifts that you've been able to make uh, with this combination. So, um, so part of my money story too, that I haven't shared too much is that, um, my mother, she passed away 
uh, a few years ago. And we found out there had been some, oh, uh, what I would say, some very interesting uh, transactions that happened in her estate that were not done by me or my family. It was done outside. So we uh, we learned about, I learned about, anyway, financial exploitation that occurred at the, at the expense of her care and her money. Uh, so that was a big, big thing. So uh, having to, you know, after somebody passes away, having to then get a lawyer to go figure out what happened, it was a huge mess. So I have like a ton of knowledge about that. Uh, and also like warning people, here's where the red, I don't have a red flag, sorry. Here's where the red flag is. And this is what you're going to need to know, uh, you know, so you can, you know, find uh, like the right people, state attorneys or, you know, ask the right questions or, you know, here's what you're legally entitled to know. So that was a big thing. But um, for my own personal thing, um, you know, I'm launching another business in the middle of a pandemic and I'm doing great. I doubled my income when I finally figured out, oh, this is how you use mental fitness and the money. You know, oh, I got it. I know how to do this. I know I, I know I can show people how to do this. Um, let's see. Uh, I have no problem uh, having clients come to me. I have no problem working with people who are couples because not every money coach is trained to work with couples uh, because they are different. Uh, they usually very different money stories. Uh, one's typically a saver. The other one's a spender. Shocker. Or you have somebody who's like all me, like I made the money, therefore I should go and do all this. And the person's like, well, what about the family? So those are different money values. So having people to come to the same page to determine, hey, do you want to continue this marriage financially speaking? Because this is what's happening. Um, and then number two, uh, you know, divorce is the number one or number two reason people get divorced. They fight over money. Really sad. So when you meet with a money coach, you can save yourself how much money in a divorce? Mm-hmm. And keep all of your stuff and your family in a- intact. <laughs> yeah. And then learn some learn some money skills and learn some communication skills so that you'll be better at your marriage and be a better human being. Like I, I do meet some people who are like, oh, money wasn't the problem in our marriage. I'm like, that's good. And then they like list off, you know, all the other values that were like way off. <laughs> it's like, why did you marry somebody that was like way over here? And you're like, yeah. way over there. <laughs> and they're like, well, I was in love. And it's like, oh, you know, you had an opportunity to make some changes or make some requests. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like for you, what the money shift has done for you is, is it helped you double your income, as you said, grow your business. And you had the audacity, if you don't mind me saying, to start a business in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, and be fearless about it. And You're like, hey, yes. Hey, Mary, guess what I'm doing today? I built up, you know, this, this and that. And then people were like, how did you do that? Well, I didn't listen to, you know, all of the self-sabotaging thoughts that most people listen to. There's no time. You better hang on. Da, 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 da. And it's like, no, I'm the one in control of my time and my money. I had better make some good choices that work for me. Okay. So when we had talked earlier, you talked about a financial imposter syndrome. That was new language for me. I'm familiar, of course, with the imposter syndrome, but how does this apply in the financial world? Oh, there's so many ways. Okay, so financial imposter syndrome is either towards yourself or towards others. That's really what it is. Um, And that's kind of roughly how imposter syndrome works, although it feels like it's more of an internal thing and then we don't really, you know, we, we don't handle it too well on the outside. But when it comes to the money situation, I will give you some good examples. So I have met people who have bought homes, doesn't matter what the housing market looked like, that were well past their means, right? Like they were going to have to work two or three jobs to keep that home and a roommate. 
And so they live in a gorgeous house on a very nice neighborhood. They don't even have children. And they have, I think, some designer items that they own, which is lovely too, you know, great. But they are literally eating tuna fish sandwiches every night, if they're lucky, or eating it directly out of the can. Uh, Peanut butter and jelly, maybe a ham and cheese sandwich. This is their life. And it will be their life because they have created this perception that they are very well to do, but they, but the house owns them, but they're acting like they own the house. So that's, that's one example. Uh, another example is I've met people who are like, we can't let anybody know that we're running low on cash, right? We can't let anybody know this. So of course, we're going to go spend money in Disney World or Disneyland and go to Europe and do all these trips because we're going to do that. Even though they're well over their budget, they have no extra source of income coming in. They're going to go do this. Why? Because they love doing this every year. And they want to make sure that, you know, the neighbors know and the kids know and everyone at their kid's school knows and their boss knows that they're doing okay. But the truth is they're having to downsize every two to three years and keep buying a smaller house to afford vacations. That's a big financial imposter syndrome. That's like spending routinely, you know, past your means. Um, one of the ways sometimes imposter syndrome, or at least I notice it pretty quickly, and I don't want to say that this happens to every person, but unless you're running an online business, if you're getting 20 to 30 Amazon packages delivered, oh, every other day, what in God's name are you building? Right. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you building a new closet? Because I've asked people, like I've asked my neighbors, I've been like, hey, I see you get a lot of packages. Are you like preparing for something? And they're like, no, no, I just need to shop. Okay. And that could be a, a possible shopping addiction. But that's that's a way that, you know, I need to self-soothe because I've got to feel better in some way. And when I have blank, this works for me. Um, another way it sometimes happens, uh, in marriages, this is kind of my, my favorite actually, cause I always kind of smile, like, what is it like when you were dating? So it does happen in the earlier parts of the courtship, uh, whoever is, you know, perhaps maybe a little bit on the wealthier side will pay and pay and pay. So you go to very nice vacations, you go out to eat a lot, um, you want to win something at a fair, you know, the, the cash is thrown out, you know, it's done like that. And then you know, you might get seriously, you know, to the dating phase, or maybe you're engaged, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens is that, you know, the money might be a little less, right? Because you're hopefully putting that money towards a, a wedding or a honeymoon or something, right? That's when the money, money values come. Why? Because somebody wants to show everybody, look at me. I, I can totally afford this person. And it doesn't, you know, affect my, my bank statement or anything like that. I have seen people say, I have great credit. Everything's working fantastic. And then you find out in the marriage that they don't pay their bills on time. Their parents were paying all their bills. The parents have been loaning the money the whole time. Big time financial imposter syndrome. I'm an adult. I'm totally adulting. No, you're not. You're right. absolutely You are absolutely not. Two two phrases are popping in my head as you're talking about this. I grew up on a farm, so big hat, no cattle is a phrase that would go with this. And then also when you're you're talking about doing making financial decisions to create an appearance, to me is keeping up with the Joneses, is it not? Yes. And so people do like 
and and the Joneses are awfully, oftentimes a specific person that we don't always want to admit who it is. So sometimes it's somebody from childhood that we're still jealous about. And we've got all these feelings of like, well, this family got to do all these wonderful things. And I want to make sure my kids get to do all this stuff. But we, of course, we don't know the rest of the inside story about, you know, this, this kid or, or their family. Or it's like, you know, they have really wealthy friends because they want to be rich. So they got wealthy friends. Well, wealthy friends are living amongst their means. Right. Maybe, yeah. you know, right, right. Say maybe, you know, yeah. as, as yeah. far as we know, you know, if they're, if their parents are going to pay all the bills, Hey, uh, I knew a lady, she was going to start a business. This was years ago. This is when I lived in Phoenix and, um, she would spend all kinds of money because her parents basically paid the bills every month. So when she had to go start a business, she had no idea about being on a budget and how much things cost. She had no idea. Even though she had her own job, she had her own money. But because she had, you know, oh, mommy's going to pay for this or daddy's going to pay for this on the credit card every month. She had no idea what it was like. So surprise, um, her business lasted less than 90 days because she had no idea. That's like because you're living in an impo- like magical thinking. You don't understand that. And I do think a lot of times the small business owners and even big companies have that financial imposter syndrome. Why? You know, when you own a big company, if the stock tanks... You might have to lay people off. May, may. Not not saying that will happen. But if you lose contracts or if there's like a horrible marketing, you know, scandal, somebody's seen doing something they shouldn't have done and they work for someplace, mm, you know, that can go very badly. But then there's just other things, you know. So you've got to look like we've got it together. This company's great. Everyone's got great mental health. Our, our employee surveys are great. And then you get into a small business. It's like, do you have, you know, consistent, you know, income coming in every month? Mm, what's consistent? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I get that question. What's consistent? <laughs> Are you making your bills every month? Mostly, you know? And that's honestly how a lot of entrepreneurs start. We bootstrap. We we begin there, uh, knowing that uh, we've got to figure it out. Uh, I'm one, I once met this woman. She was a serial entrepreneur. And I was kind of horrified that she did this. But this was her plan for paying bills. Like, remember the days we had paper? And had like a bill. You put it all in a hat and then you toss it up in the air and the first one that comes down, you pay. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Now, she never said she had money to pay all the bills. So if the big one came and maybe the other four were more pressing, I don't know, you know, I, but I was just like, that's not really how people pay their bills. So um, so I definitely think that happens, you know, inside our brains. We're like, let me find a, a game. Let me make money a game and I can win at it. And it's like, really, that's magical thinking. Money isn't a game. More people lose in the stock market, their investments, their homes, you know, big, just big investments, uh, even marriages, because you make it a win-lose proposition instead of what is the gift of the situation that I'm in? What new skills do I need to learn? How can I turn this around and give myself the time and the the discipline to do it? Because everyone knows what a budget is. Everyone knows how to do it. You know, you look at your in and then you look at your out. And then you've got to figure it, right? This isn't really hard stuff to do. But what most people do, particularly with financial imposter syndrome, is they will do it for a period of time and then they they get bored with it. It's not fun. It's not sexy. You know, having to remind yourself, I only have 20 bucks at the end of this week, you know, is not fun stuff. So it's easier to get into magical thinking of, I'll pay that at the end. Right, right. So you and I both know that the pivot has to be the individual taking responsibility 
for their story about money. Um, and that can be really hard to do because when you're in that space, like we were talking earlier, then when a, pro- a client is coming to you, they don't see a solution. They're stuck. And so to, to tell them, well, you need to take responsibility, you're like, I don't know what to take responsibility for. So let's talk about what, you know, on the other side of responsibility, what are some of those um, outcomes or the benefits that they can get to once they do take responsibility. So we're kind of kind of yeah. jump over that to kind of tease out here's here's what's on the other side of this bridge for you. Yeah, so I love this question. So um what I love about doing the mental fitness training, the integration with the money is the app is that instead of fighting with you, I just say listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. You're going to do this as, you know, as as well as you can. And then we're going to focus a little we're going to start to step in every week and focus in on the money. When you're retraining your brain, you get yourself out of the scarcity, the comparison, the confusion, the I don't want to, it's too hard. And then you start to move into what we call the thrive part of the brain so that you're like, huh, what's the, what's the next best thing I could do in this moment? Maybe I don't have an answer. Maybe I won't spend my money. Good plan. Good plan for like a short-term answer. Um, what's my long-term answer? Gosh, I think I need to spend more time understanding how, if I want to invest, the stock market works, or if you want to buy crypto, which coin? They all do, they all work differently. And by the way, you can get robbed on with crypto. And unless you you know you know have the knowledge of how can I make sure that my investments when I purchase will be taken care of. So it's not because it's it just happened last month. Um, I forget the name of the coin, but 190 billion crypto dollars are gone. And all that was left was 126 billion on this platform. They took well over half. And it was a they, meaning somebody broke in, could have been a country, could have been basically like a hacker kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, some scammers, thieves, whatever they did. And they basically pulled money out of your account, your crypto account, and it's gone. Wow. There's nothing you can do. You know, I mean, you could hire somebody to find it. Um, but you know, my guess is probably people who have lots of money kind of have an idea. It's like the top five people <laughs> like robbing you. So, uh, and I was just like, man, can you imagine that? Like you had money and then it's gone, but that's the truth about money crises. That's what usually happens. You had money or you had a situation that was working and then it goes, it goes away. Like people who survived wars in other countries and famines and like, you know, disease they are like, oh Yeah. Everything was great. And then this one thing happened and then we didn't have anything. And that's what happened to our grandparents and great-grandparents in the 1920s. They had all this money in the stock market and then it tanked and they lost everything. And how many suicides did they have at that point? Right. And, so, and talk about an economy collapsing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, you have to be smarter about your money nowadays. It, it can't all just sit in a checking account and then you're fine. It can't all just, you know, be in a 401k. You have to know how to move your money because the world is changing. How we work with money is changing. And what the expectations of the individual to know and balance and work with whatever situation is going on, it's on you. So, um, I mean, I, I had a conversation with a small business owner this summer and she was like, oh, uh, you know, I just know I need to spend less. And it's like, well, what are you spending stuff on? Oh, just stupid stuff. What's the stupid stuff? I can't tell you. Like she knows what she's doing. Again, this is, you know, the knowledge, you know what you're supposed to be doing, all the information's on Google, but you, you don't have the money psychology and you don't have the tools to retrain your brain. So you stop doing stupid stuff 
Because I can tell you that somebody will probably cut back for about three months to six months and then they'll go right back to where they were. Why? The core belief hasn't changed. Right. Yeah. I want to do stupid stuff because I enjoy it. It's fun when I spend my money. And right. this is what I enjoy doing. And if I'm in a pandemic, I can't travel. I can't eat the way I used to. I can't work out. I'm, I'm going to do stupid stuff. And I think her stupid stuff probably wasn't that stupid to you and I. I think it was, again, how she felt about it. Right. You know, everything comes back to these core beliefs. And, and ultimately, I, and I think you would agree with me, that that's where change has to happen. Because as you just said, like we can rationalize that this is how it should be. And I could even put habits and routines into place that will, I'll do it for a while. But if it's not innately satisfying, if it's not meeting that same need and that core belief, um, then I'm not going to continue to do it. So what are some, let, instead of talking about the core beliefs that are limiting, what are some of those new beliefs that you help your clients come to about money? So one of the, the things that I coach all my clients on is to become your own money back guarantee. And the reason that we move dramatically over here instead of, oh, terrible things happened to me and, and I've got to figure it out, is that when you become your own money back guarantee, if you lose money for whatever the reason, again, it doesn't have to be your fault, could be something that happened in the economy, somebody stole your crypto, oopsie, you know, or you lost your, you know, your uh, the value in your home because the housing market tank, you didn't do that, that just happened then you can figure out another way, another strategy. Because as I said before, you know, when people were showing up, they were losing their homes, bankruptcy, you know, all this stuff. They didn't know what else to do. And the financial market, financial services, is not always there for your benefit. They're going to tell you the basically the easiest way for them to get their stuff back. Right. Which is, you know, foreclosure is an easy way. They'll just buy the house back at a cheap print and then they'll sell it and they'll be fine because they can take the loss on their taxes. Totally fine. And then they'll go and make money later when somebody buys the property. They'll make it back in a few years. So they're not worried about that. But for you and I, if we foreclose on a home, that's seven years on our credit. So what? going back to that question then about core beliefs, what are some revised beliefs about money that help us stay with our new habits? So a revised belief might be something very simple, like money comes easily to me. Money actually is one of the easiest things to fix on this planet, but we treat it as it's the heaviest and the hardest thing to lift and to, you know, really fix. So, and, and even like our, our thinking of, oh, it's going to take me five years to make this money in my bank account. Well, that doesn't sound terrible. That sounds really achievable. Five years. I wanted it like the billionaires and they make it in like minutes. And it's like, do you have the net worth and the ability to take that risk that the billionaires do? No. So then why would you even compare yourself? Again, comparison, confusion, all that really, you know, again, it's the financial imposter syndrome of I want to be like this. I want to be 25 and a millionaire. Well, you know, that doesn't mean that they keep their money. Most kids who, you know, make a lot of money in a particular business or in a transaction, way will say they're scared to lose it. And so they make more mistakes by trying not to lose it, like all the other business people tell them to do. Yeah. Well, okay. So that kind of goes back to, so your your new belief is money comes easily. And what you were just saying there, right? Our, our traditional way of, of handling money is coming from that scarcity mindset. And so that means I have to do something to defend against losing my money. Yeah. So if I'm not defending myself, what am I doing instead? 
So instead of defending yourself, you're looking at what are ways I can help my money grow? Is there a place that I could invest? Are there, do I have some capital that I could take a risk on for maybe three, six months, nine months, or a year to see if it works? Because uh, there's a great expression. I, I just heard this the other day, but most of our plans are probably going to fail. And I'm not talking about money plans. I'm talking about just most of our plans. Like, oh, I was going to go to this college, didn't work out. Okay. Oh, I was going to move here. Job didn't appear. Mm. Oh, I uh, bought this apartment or I moved into this apartment. Ooh, it's it's full of rats. Okay. You know, I mean, like just stuff happens. So what I try to encourage people to think about, not so much, I like this phrase, fail up. We can fail up, uh, you know, but I think that's, I think that's still a little on the judgmental side. But when you realize that, you know, not everything's going to work out for your benefit, but you have the ability to go when it goes south, when it starts to go south, what do I want to do? So it's the same thing when I ask people when they're dating somebody. Because then, you know, I've heard this more than once. I'm in love with so-and-so. Okay, this is wonderful. Is there any point that you would say, I'm out of here? Because be in love with somebody. They may not be your your for your best interest. It's the same thing with our money decisions. You may put money in crypto and realize I'm I'm losing, I'm sinking pretty fast here. I think I'm gonna pull my money out, or I'm gonna put it in maybe a different coin, or I'm gonna invest it differently. Maybe I'm gonna ask somebody some questions, or I'm gonna realize, whoa, I put five thousand in. That was what I had for extra money. I'm gonna research it totally different this time and really look at it completely different and maybe use something else as you know, something for an investment if I want to do that. Because when people start to lose money, particularly when it becomes gambling, investing, that kind of thing, the, oh, we're all totally in the scarcity, the competition, and the confusion. On on paper, this should have worked, but it didn't. Again, financial imposter syndrome. Everyone else said it was going to work out, you know, because these people look like they got it together. I don't. Most entrepreneurs are broke. A lot of them file for bankruptcy. And again, they could have a multi-million dollar company. Why? Yeah. So I think what what it's boiling down to me um, as I'm listening to you is having to come to a decision about what do I want my relationship with money to be and taking responsibility for that relationship. And there's all kinds of confusion. And even as you're, you're, you're talking, you're throwing out so many different possibilities that it could get overwhelming. Like, ah, do I do crypto? Do I invest? Do I do real estate? What do I do? How do I do this? I got debt. Uh, you know, I got people, I got divorce. I've got medical bills. I've got to pay. I've got vacations I want to go on. I deserve a vacation. Right. So that there's all that confusion. But if it can come down to what do I want my relationship to money to be? And how do I take responsibility for that? Even if the answer in this moment is, I have no idea what taking responsibility for this is going to look like, but I know that I can call Jeannie or I can call somebody else, right? And just start asking about, what does this look like? Who do you know who, who has a good relationship with money? Right, right. And and a real good relationship, right? Not the imposter one that looks good on the outside, but it, oh, the money will come, honey. Yeah, Don't worry, the right. money will come, and you're like, oh. yeah, yeah, that's magical thinking. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take responsibility for our relationship with money, um, and that does not require a plan at all; just a commitment to that uh, decision. 
Yeah. And I encourage my clients when we, cause we do a bit of money history with them. You know, we look at, you know, about like where, what happened at what age. And then we also look at, you know, what do you, what do you think your parents, you know, so it doesn't always, have, it, it doesn't even matter if you have a mother and a father could have been your grandparents, could have been your aunts and uncles. It's fine. If you have two moms, two dads, it's totally fine. Single parent doesn't matter. But where did you inherit this from? Because guaranteed how we figure out our money always comes from people that we think are older and wiser and what they've told us to do. Again, like I said, you know, we understand everyone knows what a budget is. Everyone knows how to do that. It's just a question of like, oh, am I responsible for this? So when you get to a place of curiosity, so curiosity to me is one of those emotional sort of states of being that we forget that is actually one of the most helpful when it comes to, well, I wonder why my money is like this. And to see, you take all the judgment off of you. Why is my money like this today? Oh, it's like this because, oh, I ended up doing all this spending. Oh, but I had to get all this stuff because I've got the following, you know, things due this month. Okay. I got to figure out a way maybe that I can have, I can kind of navigate when the money goes down a little bit and when it goes back up, you know, it's, you know, how do I handle that? It's kind of like when people get bonuses, so there's old, you know, money wisdom, and I, I think it's probably good wisdom. Your bonus is not something you live off of. No, right. That's a bonus, bonus by definition. <laughs> yeah, you can put that towards bigger bills like student loans if you choose. You could put that towards a vacation. Definitely, you could do that. Um, you could put it towards, you know, buying a home if you want to do that. You could definitely put it towards your crypto, you know, whatever else is going on out there, Right. But what most people do is we need this bonus to pay for the following. So then people get stuck in and in, in not understanding that you need to categorize things because, you know, the IRS certainly does. They, they charge you more for your bonus. You, why don't you maybe a little more care? Hmm. Oh, I didn't know that piece. Well, I love too what you're talking about curiosity because I think that is that next step, right? So I'm, I'm going to make this commitment to improve my relationship with money. I don't know how to do this because if I did know how to do it, I had done it already. But, but what I hear you saying is the next step is just get curious. Get curious, get, start asking questions. Um, and the questions should be of yourself. Because one of the things too that I believe about behavior is that we're always doing the best we can with what we've got. Yes. Always. And so even I do this for myself all the time is when I do something and then I don't get the result I want or or whatever, I can go back and say, all right, that decision made sense to me in the moment. What, What was it that made sense? What was that truth that I was operating from? And is that really true? Right. And then starting to examine where did that belief come from? Oh, I can see that this is how my my parents handled money or this is what happened after I lost money in this kind of a situation or whatever. We can find the roots. And once we can find the roots, then we can change those. We can shift those beliefs so that now curiosity is moving into inspired action. Right. And everyone actually has a money victim. This is the thing that people don't like to admit, even people who have lots of money. And how, again, does the money victim sort of impact the financial imposter syndrome? It impacts it quite easily by saying, I don't have to take responsibility or it's not my, you know, so it's like, you know, when I gave the example of we have to go to Disneyland and Disney World every year, my God, what would, what would people think? It's like, I don't think anybody cares whether you go, who cares? I don't think anybody's like, you know, doing, oh God, what a terrible mother. When they were eight, they didn't go to Disneyland. Oh my God. You know, like nobody's thinking that. 
Right. But the victim is like going to create like a whole story, um, you know, when it comes to trying to pay off and I, any debt, you know, do you think you have the power to do it? Oh, I don't even know. I don't think I even have $5. Bet you you do. Bet you you do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, in relationships, the money victim is often sort of competing with the other money victim um, in the relationship. Why? It's because, you know, most of us have been taught that we're not really powerful with our money. So when something goes wrong, well, you know, he always wants to go 50-50 in our relationship, but he makes three times what I make. So when we go out to eat, I'm paying like this much and I don't want to go out to eat that much. And when somebody might suggest like a money coach, maybe you want to, you know, figure out a way to to work this out so that, you know, you're not draining somebody else's resources and, and then making them feel bad when they say, I don't want to go out. No, but you, you, the one who's not making as much money, are not expected to start making money like they do, nor to be like, oh, they're the best. But you need have to be like, I'm okay. Like, if you're a school teacher and you work hard at what you do, my God, we love school teachers, don't we? I love them. I think they're great people. Um, you know, and they and they're not making a ton of money. If they're working really hard, fantastic. Their training is needed. So why would you, again, compare yourself and then make yourself less when you're just as powerful as this person in this relationship? Yeah, that's another example, right, of using money as our barometer for our value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a whole, like, I feel like money self-esteem is something we could be taught in school, but we're not. So, you know, you have kids that will be like, I'm better than you because we come from a better home, whatever better looks like, right? And, uh, you know, and, and so people believe that, um, what was it, uh, not to get it too much into the politics, but I was, I was chuckling when I saw this on, on Twitter. Uh, I think it was Kellyanne Conway. She was making some statements on, on Fox. I won't get into that, but she did a lot of what I call the comparison and the scarcity. And then she does a lot of what I would say is the imp imposter syndrome. I'm going to tell you what everyone's talking about when they look at you. And it's like, I don't think that's really what's going on. So what she said was, you know, they, meaning I guess anybody who didn't vote for Trump. Okay. They think they're better than you. They think they're better than your kids. They think that, you know, they went to better schools and they think they live in better cities. Now, that's all propaganda. So again, I wouldn't count that as, as anything but just what it is, propaganda. But it comes from the same part of the brain, which is the survival part, which is I need to what? make sure that I look stronger and better than you. And I'm going to play the victim card in this conversation so that, you know, you can agree with me that we're getting beat up by the, uh, the cultural East coast, West coast elites, whatever, whatever the propaganda is here instead of, you know, it's just voters. It's just people. <laughs> Everyone made their decision. Let's all move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and again, it, I, uh, that story going back to this whole idea of comparison and um, victimhood. I mean, at the core of any kind of money issue is, I would say, and you can agree or disagree with me if if that's appropriate, but I would say there's a victim story at the root of every money issue. Right. Right. Okay. Right. And, and, and how you pick up, you know, that's a dance expression. We, we, we would say this all the time in our little dance workshop when we were working on our personal development. How do you pick up when you lost all your money? We would have to go dance, go picking it up. Um, oh. you know, <laughs> you know, and I don't mean like running around the floors, grabbing no, for no, imaginary no, money. That's, that's, um, that's magical thinking in dance. Thank you. Um, but really what it was like, you know, maybe I need to take a few minutes and be sad that I lost it. 
honoring your feelings and your emotions. Maybe I need to be angry at myself and maybe the situation, maybe another person. And then what is my next step? Right. Right. And the next step was maybe I'm going to get a shovel, literally. Like, (laughs) I'm going to dig myself out of this. Uh, Maybe I'm going to need to ask for some help. Uh, Not necessarily money help, but like ask for help. Like, hey, can somebody help me with this? Can somebody help me with that? Um, Maybe I'm going to have to consider getting a second job. Uh, maybe I might need to sell something, you know, if it was a, you know, high value that you lost or whatever, maybe, you know, some people literally said my plan was to go to therapy so I can forgive somebody who took money from me. And I thought that's, that's real money in action. That's how somebody who will forgive and will be like, oh my gosh, I can now move on. Because, uh, what's not always thought of is that when we have debt, it's usually we have not forgiven somebody. Psychologically in the brain, that's how it sometimes works when it's about money issues. So it could be ourselves. We haven't forgiven ourselves. Or it could be literally a long list of people we are still unhappy about. And again, that feeds into the financial imposter syndrome. These jerks got all this and I got stuck with this. Right, right. What a powerful conversation, right? Because money impacts all of us. And as we were saying at some point in this conversation, I think we all have a victim story about money because as you said earlier too, we've not been taught any anything different, right? Most of the time, I mean, we're, we're born to young parents who haven't figured out money for themselves yet, most likely, right? And they're teaching those same skills then to their young children. And that's what we learn. And that's what we end up perpetuating. But now we have resources like you who can help us get to those money um, victim stories, help us take responsibility and maintain responsibility for that. And then take that inspired action that moves us into that healthy relationship with money that we really want. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you feel empowered, when you feel like, oh, I could actually work this out and not have to work two, three jobs, because this is another thing that kind of works in the brain. I've met people who are broke, even immigrants who, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I was totally broke. Because why? They had money and then they just spent it. And it's usually it's not like they spent it on stuff. They gave tons of money away to family that needed it or they, you know, bought stuff that they absolutely needed to give their children. And they've never had that kind of money. So they went through it pretty quickly. Again, very common. And so they'll say, oh, I was broke. So what do they do? What they only know how to do is they'll go work two, three jobs for two or three years, totally get flush again. And they're like, oh, this is great. And then what happens? The minute they stop working two or three jobs because they want time off, they want to take a vacation, they want to do that, all the money goes out. Same thing again. They spend money here. They give they give a ton to their family. They uh, you know buy some more things or they, they're going to start a business, but they don't really have any business acumen, surprise. But they're going to go do all this stuff. And then they go right back down and they're like, that's okay. I'll just go work another two or three jobs. So I have met immigrants who are in their sixties and seventies who have been, you know, completely broke like four or four, four or five times in their life and they're okay with it. But that's the money psychology of when you have it, just give it away because people need it more than I do. Cause I can be broke and I'll be fine. Cause I'm not, my life isn't that bad when I was living in the old country. And it's sort of like, whoa, you don't have to live like that. You could work less. And 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 there's even strategies you could put your money away. So if you need to give it to certain people, you know, you could do that. And they're like, what? I've never heard of that. Because they don't trust banks. 
It's like always like money in the mattress or in their sock drawer. You're like, wow. They always have cash. Because that's that's what will get them through. Right. Exactly. Um, and as you were saying, even with the crypto thing, like they don't trust that the money will be there when they need it. Um, and uh yeah, so this this pattern of I'll work several jobs, make some money, stop working, lose the money, work more jobs, make the money, and then lose it. Again, that that's just replicating those core beliefs that we were taught as a young child. And if that's not the relationship that you want with your money, make another choice. Just and the first choice is this is not the relationship that I want with my money. Maybe I don't even know what my relation I want this relationship to look like. Again, uh, speaking with coaches like you who can help them create that vision of what a relationship with money could could look like for them and how that could impact their relationships and their health and and just their ability to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite stories, which I know was so like the way he told it. This gentleman was, I think in his 50s, he was uh, he was from Moscow. This was a few years ago when I met him. And he was a doctor. And um, he's like, oh, yeah, I was in medical school in Moscow. And then he uh, emigrated to the U.S. And I go, well, how did you get into medical school You know, here in the U.S.? He goes, oh, I stole some pizzas. And then I just enrolled myself in, in medical school. Now, I know that's a totally silly story. But like literally if you are a child and you hear that as the story, you just steal some things, even though that's wrong and you'll steal pizza, which is easy. And then you'll get right into like, you know, like in, and and that's again, why do people tell fairy tales like that? Because they don't really want to tell people that they were scared for months, that they couldn't really eat for months. Nobody wants to tell the ugly story. Instead, they'll tell a cute little fantasy of you steal some pizzas. You can go to medical school. So now every time I see a pizza delivery driver, I'm like, that's somebody working on medical school. I know it. Which I don't oh, think actually happens. Funny. But like, but that's what I mean. Like you get these magical stories, and then you're like, of course, it should totally work out. Well, let's go steal some pizza. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right. So if you are not in a relationship with money that fulfills you, that empowers you. Um, Jeannie is your coach. So Jeannie, tell us what you have coming up and how people can reach out to you. So I have a, uh, a money, a free money masterclass accelerator and it's this Thursday. And it's like what I always say, like, just sign up because you can always get the recording. And, you know, if you can't be present, you can't be live because I do it 11 AM Eastern standard time. I know sometimes people are like, but I'm at work. And it's like, yeah, but you know, you like how many people are like on a call and doing something else at work, by the way, that's a whole nother story. But anyway, <laughs> but, um, but I'm like, Hey, you know, get it. And then you get to hear me for an hour, really kind of get into deep diving into what is it like with the money brain and then going, you know, into how do you really get into the, the, um, the thrive part of the brain so that you can actually have what I call money sage power so that you're not going to run around and tell silly little stories about how you got into medical school. You're in deep debt and there's no cash for anything, but you showed up to work today. Hi, how are you? You know, like that doesn't help anybody because you just pass on the same story to everyone else. So um, a lot of times people who show up are what I call lineage breakers. They're going to break the lineage of being broke, of scarcity, of comparison, and they're going to grow their money with compassion so that they can do things that they really want to do. A lot of people want to give their money away. And this is a good thing. 
Um, it just depends on how you want to do that. Do you want to give it to family? Again, that's continuing the lineage. Or do you want to give it to charity? Do you want to tithe? How do you want to do this? And there's all different things that you can do. Um, but money will come to you if you believe it. Um, and the work that I do is deeper than mindset because I help you retrain your brain. So it's Excellent. not think it and it'll happen. Right, right. Yeah. Fascinating. Thank you so much. We will have links um, in the show description for your website. As it will, we also have a registration link for your money mindset. Okay. And and because this probably won't air before next Thursday, this is an ongoing event. Yes. Okay. Yep. Perfect. So you can register um, and then you'll get on the you'll get on the list and then you can get the recording if you're not live. But it's absolutely, you know, this is my way of showing people here. Here's some free information if it applies to you for one hour for you to learn something about how money works in your brain and how you can do something different. Beautiful. So again, if you're willing, ready and willing to take responsibility to move out of that victim story and into the thriving part of your brain, Jeannie is your coach. Jeannie, thank you so much for thank sharing you, your gifts with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure and I've learned a lot from you as well. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Well, I know I will see you again, Mary. <laughs> we sure will. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. We're not just a podcast. We're a community. So before you go, we invite you to join the Consciouspreneur Mastermind community. We are a powerful movement of high achieving, impact focused entrepreneurs who are leading the charge, making the world a better place through business. We offer a comprehensive suite of tools, techniques, support, and direction all rolled up into a community-driven inspirational launch pad. We will nudge you out of your comfort zone and into your genius zone so that you can lead your business with clarity and focus. If you're looking for a community of like-minded and like-spirited people who support your personal development and business growth, well, you found the right place. Plus, we have a lot of fun. After all, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Remember, we're all in this together. Check out the link in the details in the description below and help our community grow by liking, subscribing, and sharing the content. We look forward to having you join us next week. Until then.